0: like we uh, told before into the future as to what's going to happen here. Uh, And then he actually carries out exactly what the Lord said. And there's some very interesting uh, verbiage when he goes in and meets with Saul. And you see him uh, really aligning with the fact of what the Lord has said, even though he was doubtful at first. he, He aligns with the fact that this is now a brother, right? Before he was a persecutor, of the church and now he's a brother and he uh, allows him in, in that instance to receive his sight so we'll get into that a little bit more but let's read the context in verse 10 it says and there was a certain disciple at damascus named ananias to whom said the lord in a vision ananias and he said behold i am here lord and the lord said unto him arise and go into the street which is called straight and inquire in the house of judas for one called saul of tarsus for behold he prayeth And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. And kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake, for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, "Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had uh, received meat, he, he was strengthened. Then saw certain days, uh, was certain days with the disciples, uh, which were at Jeru- uh, Damascus. I'm not sure where I saw Jerusalem there. Verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he was the son of God. Uh, But all uh, that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he that destroyed them which call on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that uh, uh, for that uh, intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. And so we'll uh, pick back up again here at uh, page 112 and just into uh, the context here of the task that was given uh, to Ananias. And so let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, uh, we're grateful for this day and and grateful for uh, the opportunity uh, to enter into this study again uh, in the book of Acts and to Uh, Just see how you worked in the church uh, piece by piece and bit by bit. Um, As Paul says over in in First Corinthians, uh, you gave each one of these just a little bit of a piece of the puzzle. And then it was all put together to provide uh, all of this uh, content of scripture that we have today that we can live by. And so we're grateful for uh, the opportunity that we have to to look at these things and and to have some historical perspective on uh, the grace that's been provided to us today and to uh, be able to live it out in real time. We pray that we would uh, be able to glean what you would have us to glean from this study. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, and so uh, going back to page 111, we see the task uh, that was given uh, to Saul was to uh, do a ministry, um, and so we understand that he's the steward Of the dispensation of grace. Uh, We understand that he's an apostle and we understand that he's a designated evangelist to the Gentiles. And so he would bear the name of the Lord to all of these, and not just to these, but to kings and to uh, uh, leaders of, of different places. And we'll get into that a little bit more. And then we see uh, to bear uh, the name of the Lord before both Gentiles and Jews. And we talked about and and kind of entered into the idea there uh, last week that uh, Paul goes into each one of these cities. Right. And he presents the Lord at at the uh, synagogues. And then whenever the Jews, uh, as he says, count themselves unworthy of the grace that's been provided to them, what does he say? He that's the shoulders off and goes to the Gentiles, right? And so you see this many times. Let's go real quick over to Acts 13, uh, 46. And we're at the top of page 112 in your notes. I think we went here last week, but we were kind of running. So I want to make sure we hit this one. Uh, but this is kind of what you see uh, in every city that, that Paul goes to. He goes into these synagogues, right? They're claiming that they're serving God and doing service to God. And the the very one that God sent, uh, that their Old Testament scriptures are testifying of in, in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul comes and appeals on behalf of him to them. And what happens? They say, uh, this is heresy. Get out of here. We don't want to hear this nonsense. Uh, But in verse 44, it says, in the next Sabbath, day, came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitudes, uh, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you but seeing that you uh that you put uh you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life not everlasting life there but unter- eternal life lo we turn to the gentiles for so hath the lord commanded us saying i have set thee to be a light of the gentiles that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth and when the gentiles heard this they were, they were glad and glorified the Word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the Word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. but the Jews were uh, stirred up devout and honorable uh, devout men and honorable women uh, and the chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coasts, but they shook off the dust from their feet uh, against them, and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, and so you see this play over and over again. And of course, we'll get to these as we move through the book of Acts. But uh, Paul and Barnabas go into these cities, they give the gospel and present Jesus to these people. Jews come in and say, "Hey, hey, what are you doing here?" And they stir up trouble, and then they have to go into different cities. This this uh, almost a rinse, wash, repeat thing that you see throughout the book of Acts, uh, but. Again, we see also that Paul told the Jews uh, in his own defense that God had sent him to the Gentiles. Uh, go with me over to Acts chapter 22 and verse 21. And we could go uh, pretty far back into this story as he's rehearsing what what had happened Um uh, when he w- was converted, but pick it up at uh, verse 18. Well, for verse 17, it says, And it came to pass that when I was coming a- again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, make haste and get thee out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, They know that I am in prison and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the uh, blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And so here again you see... (laughs) Uh, Paul is hesitant to go uh, to these Jewish believers. Why? Because they know the story of him, right? It's the same argument that Ananias brought up there. Uh, but the Lord tells him to go in uh, this idea of going and presenting the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, over in Acts 28 and verse 28, we see that Paul explains the Jew, to the Jews in uh, Rome the purpose for God expanding uh, to the Gentiles. And so go with me there. Now, what we'll see uh, as we continue on in this story, and it'll it'll be a while before we get here, uh, but we'll get to Acts chapter 22 and thereabouts. And you see Paul having to go to Rome in a way that I don't think the Lord designed. Right. The Lord ultimately always intended for Paul to get to Rome, but it didn't have to be the way that it did. Right. He didn't have to go there in chains and bound (laughs) in the manner that he did. I think this was just from his own stubbornness that it ended up happening this way. Uh, But we see, uh, ultimately, he does uh, end up in Rome. Uh, But pick it up in uh, verse 22. It says, But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. Uh, For as concerning this sect, speaking of Christianity, uh, we know everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, There came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Spirit by Isaiah the prophet unto the fathers saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. Seeing you shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should uh, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I shall heal them. Be it known uh, therefore unto you that the salvation from God is sent unto the Gentiles and they uh, that they will hear. Um, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And so you see here again the intent um, to go to the Gentiles. Then lastly, uh, go with me over to Galatians chapter two and verse seven. And here we see Peter and Paul's. Alignment uh, concerning God's purpose and in their individual ministries. And as you remember back to chapter one of Galatians, we know that um, Paul understood early on that God was doing something a little different than, with him than he was doing with the other apostles. And we can pick it up at verse one. It says there. Then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them the gospel, which I had preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And after that, because of false brethren, unaware is brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they would, uh, that they might bring us uh, into bondage? Verse five: To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem some to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh it no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. Uh, just a quick, quick uh, <laughs> uh, editorial there. Very interesting that he stops right in the middle of his statement to say, uh, these guys, it doesn't really matter who they are. They're men just like everyone else is. God is not a respecter of persons. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, but contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, For he uh, that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the Gentiles and they unto the circumcision. And so you see it was a clear uh, understanding there at a certain point that uh, Paul's ministry was to be to the Gentiles and, and Peter's to, uh, uh, to the Jews. Uh, we see the recipient uh, of the gospel going back over to Acts chapter nine and whose uh, his ministry of, of preaching the gospel was supposed to be to, and it's given, uh, very clearly, um, And stated to Ananias. So Ananias, again, knows this beforehand uh, before going uh, to Saul. And so uh, the Lord tells him he's a chosen vessel. Remember back that idea of being a chosen vessel. He's an elect tool. right? (laughs) He is somebody that I have chosen for a particular purpose to do a particular thing uh, and to preach the gospel. And who is he going to preach it to or, or really here to bear my name? Uh, or my reputation before the Gentiles and before kings and before the children of Israel. And so all of these would be involved uh, in receiving uh, what Paul had to offer. That brings us to verse 16. And we see here, what does he say? For I will show him how great things he must uh, suffer for my name's sake. Now, I can't prove it, but I think the Lord puts this in here to ease the mind of Ananias, right? Here's this guy who was very feared among the uh, early church, right? Because he's killing Christians. He's got proof, right? He just talked about, hey, I was right there when Stephen was stoned and they laid their coats down at my feet. And we see that over in Acts chapter seven as well. Well, the fear of this guy can be turned around when when kind of compared alongside of the fact that this man that caused people to suffer, he's also going to suffer himself, right? And so I think the Lord used this and uh, His description of what was going to happen with Saul uh, to ease the mind of Ananias as He uh, prepares to go unto him. And so, as we we see in your notes here, this uh, explanatory uh, gar is used to explain the connection of Saul's callings, calling his current calling right now. Right, God has called him to salvation. And God has a future purpose for us all. And he's tying this all together for Ananias. So he says, I will show him. Now, we we uh, we sometimes diminish when we see this um, in in the English. And it's hard for you to see it if you're not looking in the Greek. But he really emphasizes the fact that I right? I for my part. I am God. I will show him because the the. Uh, Pronoun is there in the verb. You don't really have to add anything to it, but he adds emphasis and he says, I on my part will show him. And he's really calling for Ananias in this moment to trust in him. Right. It's not the power of men that gets things done. It's the power of God that gets things done. So he says, look at me. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at this guy that you were fearful of before. Look at me. I on my part will show him. This word for show comes from our word dykso, which uh, has that idea of a graphical demonstration in here uh, to provide a demonstration of a principle or principle through visual comparison between something rehearsed and the actual carrying out of that action. Uh, and so he's doing this. I will show to him. And he's speaking of Saul uh, being the recipient recipient of this upcoming instruction. Now, uh, as we look at this. Paul alluded uh, to information of being information being provided to him by the Lord rather than by other disciples back over in Galatians chapter one and verse 18. So go with me there really quickly. And as you're thinking about uh, God showing to him, the Lord showing to him uh, how much things he must do and particularly how many things he must suffer We know that he received this instruction uh, again face to face with the Lord. So in verse 12, it says for uh, uh, well, go back just a little bit. In verse 10, it says, for do I persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. And so he's saying the origin of this gospel message that I received didn't come from men. Right. Peter and all of these people that they put up on pedestals, they didn't teach me this. I received it directly from God. Verse 13. For you have heard my conversation in times past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals in mine own uh, nation, being more zealous, uh, more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my father. So what does he mean here? Tie this together with what you see in Philippians chapter 3, and you see a person that was not satisfied with just being a good little Jew, right? He wanted to go all the way with it, right? He wanted to be above the rest of those that, that were his contemporaries right and think about it like if you're on a a team right (laughs) or or at work if you're uh, you have people that do the same job you do some people do the job you do excellent right and this was peter's focus he wanted to peter this was paul's focus he wanted to do his job excellently with excellence Uh, and you see the same uh, focus again uh, when he's called to christianity he says but when it pleased god Who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach uh, him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So what is the natural progression that you normally see with people? You have to learn from other people. Right. If you're a teacher, there's teachers that teach you how to teach other people. If you're a FedEx driver, there's someone that shows you how to do that route. And this is what's common to mankind. And what Paul is saying here is nobody taught me. I learned directly from the one that teaches all. And so we're going to see this here in verse 13 or 17. It says neither went I up to Jerusalem to them, which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by the face unto the churches. So you see, there was no one within the churches that taught him. Right. He received this revelation directly from the Lord. Uh, Paul also talks about seeing the Lord after his resurrection over in First Corinthians, chapter 15 and verse eight. This gives us more uh, evidence to this fact. First Corinthians, chapter 15 and verse eight. And in verse four, it says, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And after that, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. So he's looking at a time after the resurrection of the Lord. Right. (laughs) And and that people are being witnesses to his resurrection. He says uh, in verse seven, after that, he was seen of James, then of all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also. As a one born out of due time. You see, he, he had revelation concerning the Lord and face to face interaction with him after all of the, the disciples. Now, the last interaction we see with the disciples with the Lord is right there at the end uh, or in the beginning of Acts. Right. In Acts chapter one. Paul is saying he interacted with the Lord after this. Right. And we see this uh, interaction that he had with him one to one. And I think it alludes to the fact that he's receiving this revelation uh, directly from him. We go over to uh, Ephesians chapter three and verse three. We see Paul also receive revelation concerning the dispensation. Ephesians chapter three and verse three. And he says there in verse one, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace from God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery. As I wrote afore in a few words whereby we uh, you read, you may under or when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of the Christ. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy prophet, uh, holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. And so what is he saying here? He's saying there was something that was given to me specifically this mystery concerning the Christ. And I received this information and all of the mysteries by personal revelation from Jesus Christ. Right. This is nothing that was given to him. And again, this this goes uh, in. Uh, lockstep with what we saw over in the book of uh, Galatians and then lastly we see Paul was also shown that he would suffer on behalf of the Lord and so uh, what is the Lord telling him here in this uh, context of Acts chapter 9 He's actually telling Ananias concerning him but he knows uh, the fact that he's going to suffer so go back with me to Acts chapter 21 and verse 13 I believe Yes. And. Pick it up in verse one, he says there, and it came to pass that after we had. Gotten from them, and at launch we came uh, with a straight course unto uh, Coas, and the days of uh, following unto Rhodes, Rhodes, and from thence to Patara. And finding a ship, we sailed into Phoenicia. Uh, we went abro- aboard and set forth. Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed in, at Tyre. For there, there the ship was to be unlaid her burden. And finding certain her finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, uh who said to Paul, through the spirit, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now we'll break this down a little bit more when we get here. Uh but uh I love J. Vernon McGee and I'm not gonna call him out by name, he's since passed, but <laughs> he has a slightly different interpretation of what's going on with Paul here in the book of Acts. He thinks that Paul went uh, straight by the leading of the spirit and he went up to to Jerusalem and he ended up at Rome just like God designed for him to do. Well, I would say not just like, right? We see the Holy Spirit here clearly telling Paul, do not go uh, through several people. And he's going to He's just bound and determined he's going to do it. Right. In verse five, it says, and when he had accomplished those days, uh, we departed and went our way. Uh, And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till they were out of the city and kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship and they returned uh, and they returned home again. And when we had uh, finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemus and saluted the brethren uh, and abode with them one day. And the next day, uh, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. And the same uh, man had four daughters, virgins, who prophesied. And as, they, as we tarried there many days, there came from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, Thus saith Agabus. <laughs> he says, Thus saith the Holy Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man, that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now watch what Paul does here. He's going to take this prophecy, this sure prophecy from the Holy Spirit, and he's going to use it to strengthen his case, right? Because of the things he's been told from the Lord. And when he had heard these things, uh, both we and they of that of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What meaneth ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am not ready or I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, And when we we, he would not be persuaded, uh, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went to Jerusalem. Uh, There uh, went with us a certain uh, disciple of Caesarea and brought uh, with them one Nason of Cyprus, an old disciple uh, with whom we should lodge. But uh, here you see again, uh, uh, Paul is going to take this this, uh, prophecy that's been made over him and he's going to align it with the things he already knows to be true uh, concerning uh, what God has said to him that he would suffer. Uh, and he's willing to go and to not just suffer but to die (laughs) but when we go back to chapter 9 you see these things that are stated um, concerning uh, Paul and this just gives a little bit more flavor to it and so in verse 16 he says he's going to show him how many things he must suffer uh, for his namesake Uh, Next point, we see that uh, this idea for my namesake or on behalf of my name, and so as you think about that, the word name uh, has the idea of character We've talked about this before. Uh, we give names uh, today because they sound good, right? And we like the, the sound of them, or maybe it's to honor some family member or something like that. But uh, most of the time, over at least the Bible history, names were given because they were trying to convey something, right? And, and it had something to do eventually with the reputation of that in, individual, Uh, And so you can still see it even now today when someone says uh, this person named such and such, they have a good name, right? A good reputation. (laughs) We uh, know that the Lord has a good reputation and we are to keep that. And so you see this here with with uh, Paul. But go go with me over to Acts chapter five and verse 41. And we see here the apostles rejoice that God saw them worthy of suffering on behalf of his name. And so they see it. Right. Even in this suffering and even in the disparaging that the uh, Jews are doing uh, concerning the name of the Lord. Here's an opportunity for them to show forth the greatness of that name by not fighting back against this persecution that they're enduring. Um, And pick it up at verse thirty five. And it says, and said unto them, well, we'll go back just a little bit. uh, Verse thirty three. When they. They heard that they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. So remember here, Peter uh, is speaking boldly on behalf of the name of the Lord, and the Jews aren't taken so kindly to it. Verse 34, then stood up there one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, You men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, uh, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, uh, who who was slain. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this, a man rose up, uh, Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be from God, you cannot overthrow it, lest haply you fi- be found to be fighting uh, against God. And to him, they agreed, and when the apostle, when he had called the apostles, or when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of the Lord, and let them go. And so they weren't going to let them off uh, with nothing happening, right? They beat them, uh, but they didn't kill them. Verse forty-one, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame on behalf of His name. Now, I don't think this would be the response of me. I'm not going to say you guys, but I'm going to say if someone unjustly beat me, I don't know that I would be able to say, thank the Lord, praise you, hallelujah. I was honored to be able to suffer on behalf of your name. Yes, I would. The Holy Spirit would work through me and I'd (laughs) do it like they did. Um, We also see over in Acts chapter 15 and verse 26 that Paul and Barnabas were seen uh, as men who put their lives to the side in favor of showing uh, forth the name of the Lord. Um, and we see that over in Acts chapter 15 and verse 26. So remember here in the context, what's going on is that there's this question as these Gentiles are starting to come into uh, the church. They're saying, hey, uh, what are they supposed to do? Because you still have Jews that are following after the law. And what do you do with these Gentiles? that Clearly don't have the law. Right. It's always interesting to me, the people that try to put uh, Christians under the law. I don't know what they do with this chapter of scripture, because <laughs> this was clearly a, a question uh, in the early church that was resolved to say the Gentiles are not under law. Right. We'll give them these four little things that they shouldn't do, but we're not going to give them the comprehensive law that we all follow. Right. Uh, Question was very easily answered here, and we'll we'll go through it when we get here. But uh, verse nineteen, it says, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having st- uh, stoned Paul, drew him out of the. Se- oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I caught myself this time. You guys didn't have to catch me. Where we at? We don't even have Brother Rick here to ask. <laughs> uh, pick it up at. Verse 22 of Acts chapter 15. Acts 15, 22. It says, Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send uh, chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and the elders and the brethren send greetings unto you, uh, unto the brethren, uh, which are out from the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain uh, which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We have sent uh, therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by the, by mouth. And so we go on to uh, give these uh, instructions to them of, of four things they shouldn't do. a <laughs> little mini modified law that they put them under, but not the whole law, right? They're saying you don't need to be circumcised or anything like that. But what we're focusing in on is this uh, uh, statement in verse 26 where it looks at the fact that uh, Paul and Barnabas are men that have Hazarded their own lives on behalf of the name of the Lord. And so they didn't see their lives or the things that mattered to them as more important than the reputation of the Lord. And so uh, you see this idea stated here as well. Um, Running out of time. Let's jump through this. Uh, Paul. Stated his willingness to die on behalf of the name of the Lord. And we saw that over in Acts chapter 21 and verse 13, uh, where he's saying, I'm not willing to just be bound, but willing to die on behalf of the the name or character of the Lord. And then lastly, over in Romans chapter one and verse five, we see that Paul stated the shared testimony of himself. And the Romans to be on behalf of the Lord. And so we will leave off there and come back next week and continue on to look at it and go back to Acts chapter nine as we close out here. And you see in verse uh, 16, this idea, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so when you come to it and look at all of the things that Paul went through as he's going to these different cities and having these different people uh, really giving him a hard time. <laughs> and specifically uh, the the time in which he went from Thessalonica. Right. And they chase him all the way down through Corinth. He, he had a hard time. Right. But this is nothing that wasn't uh, testified by the Lord and already adequately prepared for by the Lord. And so we'll we'll see that coming back. These things are things he must suffer uh, for the Lord's sake. And again. uh What I think this did, why is the Lord telling this to Ananias? Does this even matter to Ananias' life? No, I don't think so. It has nothing to do with him. I think it's just there to calm his his spirits so that he can go and do the job that the Lord is asking him to do. And we see that he's going to respond in the right way to this in verse 17. All right, let's leave off there and we'll bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and and grateful again for the uh, lessons that we can learn from these men. And I say uh, men because they aren't any better. They are not any more equipped. They don't have anything that we don't have today. And yet they were able to do amazing things, uh, even up to suffering uh, and and being able to uh, still bear your name and to give you thanks they're uh, able to do all of the things that they did because they were indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that we have today. And so we would pray that uh, should the time come that we uh, have to endure things that are uncomfortable, that we would lean on you and the position that we have in Christ, that the Holy Spirit might fill us to lack up, lack up, fill up whatever is lacking uh, for us in that moment. We pray all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.